Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2 in your Bibles. And this goes along with a little bit of what Brother Adam was talking about. Is there you see a man who is living in thankfulness. Living in thankfulness. John Piper, made one, who's a Baptist theologian, made this comment. He says, guard your heart with gratitude. How do we guard our heart with gratitude? The most fundamental and elemental part of being a Christian is being thankful. You'll see this throughout all of the Word of God. Now, being thankful towards God in the, the Bible, it is commanded of us absolutely to be thankful. First of all, we see that it is the design of God. God has designed, when he created Adam, he created mankind. He designed them to bring glory to God and be thankful. We see the ultimate failure of man in Romans chapter 1 was that they did not do that. They didn't bring glory to God, neither were thankful. So in the design that God has made you, he's made you to be thankful. That is in our composite. Secondly, it's the will of God. And you don't have to turn there, but in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. A lot of people don't know what the will of God is, but we see the revealed will of God over and over. You don't have to look hard to find it. When one of the will of God is for us to be continually thankful, have an attitude of thankfulness. Uh, third, it is to be present in everything we do and everything we say. Colossians 3.17, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do to the glory of God, and giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Fourth, we give God our thankfulness because he is worthy of all our praise. Psalm 107 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth. Forever. But this next one I want us to look at in Colossians chapter 2. We are to be thankful as a way to guard our hearts from sin. Chapter 2, verse 1 For I would that ye knew what great conflicts I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words, for though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ." As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Where are we abounding? We are abounding being rooted and built up in Jesus Christ. So the idea here that Paul is, is encouraging the church members of Colossae. Remember the condition Paul was in. He was in a Roman prison. 
And yet, he is writing to them that he has this conflict. That means a contest. And it's a spiritual conflict, which he has in chapter 2, that he is praying for them. He, he sees the, the discouragement that can go on. He sees the challenges of faith. And he's praying for the church members, those in the, of the faith. Those, so he is praying and he has continual spiritual conflict for them. And also, he has... And Paul was one man who was just fighting one spiritual battle after another. I mean, this is the Apostle Paul. I mean, every time he went to the Lord in prayer, Satan was there attacking him, or Satan was one to discourage him, or he had false accusers here and false accusers there, and people slandering him for what he was saying, and people wanting to chase him and kill him. Could you imagine living a life where you're running and people are wanting to kill you? I remember in school, if there was somebody who wanted to beat me up, that was the most terrified I've ever been in all my life. I wanted to run away. I don't know about you all, but can you imagine somebody pursuing you, a lot of people pursuing you, wanting to kill you? The same thing was with David. But yet we have the most beautiful Thanksgiving psalms in all of Scripture. In those times when he was afraid, he was thankful. And so Paul is encouraging them that with the knowledge of Jesus Christ, here comes this love in verse 2. He says, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father in Christ Jesus. This knit together in love, Paul is reaching out and he's saying, look, I'm in this conflict, I'm in this struggle. And he had brought that up in chapter 1. And the reason he is telling them is so that he can thread his heart into their hearts with love. And there's a unity within the church. Everything Paul did, he did for the unity of the church in love. And so if we all are knit together in love and we all with one can reach out, just as we, Brother Billy, let's lift him up in prayers. We're, it's not looking good for Brother Billy, but we know he's in God's hands. And, but as we knit together in love, let's raise him. And uh, that's what he says, is that, that what this will do will bring a richness. Now, this is the point. The stronger love that we have, the stronger understanding of Jesus you have. Think about that. Yeah. It's not just head knowledge. That's right. The more that you love, the more you understand Christ. Yeah. And that is the, that's the encouragement. He says, And the Father and of Christ in whom are head all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then he goes on to give us a couple warnings. We'll come back to that. But look at verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. At the very essence of all of this is thankfulness. If you're not thankful, you can't love. If you are discontent, if there's things that, I mean, you're never thankful, you're always complaining, and just, you know, people like that, they just never have anything to be thankful for. And then they, they never are thankful. They're always complaining and grumbling, and this could be better, this could be better. But here, the, you're not, you can't love with that kind of attitude. Thankfulness is supposed to be a 
full-time attitude. I was thinking of the prodigal son. When he returned to the father, I believe every day of his life he was thankful. And just the goodness that God has done to us. And brother, brother, I don't want to call you out, but I just kept thinking about that. How I know this man is thankful every day of his life of what God has done for him. And what he's done for him, he can do for you. And I tell you, you, let's not uh, say it's too impossible for God. Nothing's impossible for God. We just pray. But that is the most elemental part is love and thanksgiving. So the result of love is not a stronger affection, not just a stronger affection, but a stronger understanding. We have the fullness of the richness. Now, there's two warnings which Paul gives in verse 4. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. That word beguiled means to deceive by false reasoning. Verse 8, he also warns us, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. What this is speaking of is it is a warning once we are united in love, once we're knit together in love, once we have a full understanding of Christ and love and that we are uh, thankful, there's going to be some blessings poured out on the Lord's churches. And people are going to notice. There's going to be people looking through our windows. And they're going to say, oh, that looks like a crowd I'd like to get in front of. That looks like a crowd I would love to lead and consume all of that on their own lust and their own flesh, not having the love of the Lord. And they lead the people astray with vain deceit. Paul says, be on your guard. Because this love which we have, this love must be first according to truth. It must be according to sound doctrine. That's the first thing Paul is is telling us is let your love be with a sound doctrine he says verse 5 though I be absent in the flesh yet am I with you in the spirit joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ it's not just about us having a love fest we have an order that we are to love him in spirit and in truth we're the worship God in spirit and truth you can't have one without the other so this is what is pleasing to God. We're rooted and built up in him. And that's what he goes on to say in verse 7. You're established in the faith. That the is the, in the noun form. That's the definite article. The, the. The faith is a subject. You're established in the faith because you know your sound doctrine. You know your doctrine. Yes, love. Love, uh, you know, without dissimulation. Love agape love. Love sacrificially. Love them. Love them. But do not forsake truth for the sake of inclusion. Because that's not of God. And that will lead to what? These false teachers, these false preachers. And he says, be established in that faith as ye have been taught. Rooted and built in sound doctrine. I wonder how many churches today have planted a man as a pastor based on their charisma and charm only and went straight into air. 
Isn't that what Paul warned Timothy of? There'll come a day when they will not endure sound doctrine, when they're going to heap up to themselves teachers having itching ears. They, they can't withstand the sound doctrine. How many churches today go off emotionalism and charisma of the speaker and all of these things, and they're not of truth, but he has hoodwinked you with his charm. Oh, he's great. Well, I could listen to him all day just talk about nothing when you think about it. That's it. Oh, we need to be settled, established in sound doctrine. That's one. Two, what's the second thing he says? But we are to abound with thanksgiving in verse 7. All right, thanksgiving is the bedrock of this whole encouragement. Now, if you think about it, how do we guard our hearts with thanksgiving? So, that's what Paul is saying. Guard your hearts. Guard your church. Guard everything. Love, but guard. First of all, Satan's playground is in a discontent heart. We are fair game for the devil and the lust of our flesh when we don't have an attitude of thanksgiving. Satan is deceptive. Now think about this. Ingratitude is as old as the Garden of Eden. He'll whisper to you, you know what God has given to you? You could have better. Uh, God's given you so much, but let's not think about what all God's given you. Let's think about what he's not given you. You could, you could have better. God is withholding things that you deserve. You ever get that? Well, you know what? I feel like I deserve so much. I'm so much entitled. And if you think about the opposite of thankfulness is an entitlement, yes. one of those. So you know you're not being thankful if you're being, has the attitude of entitlement. Oh, I, I, God, you know, look at what my brother and sister and, and, and everybody. You know, God will, or Satan will whisper to you the same thing he, he whispered the, the Eve. Has God said? Did God say that thou shalt surely die? Adam and Eve had everything. They had to work for nothing. Everything was at the tips of their fingers. They had direct fellowship with God. And Satan said, um, you don't really have everything, you know. There's one thing you don't have. And he enticed Eve to believe that God was withholding something good from them. You know this tree over here that God said not to eat? Oh, you're going to have a great time. You think, I mean, look at that. Look at what you don't have. And Satan tempted Eve with that. And Eve's like, I, I can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then Satan said, you, thou shalt not surely die. Isn't that something? That he will entice you. Now think about this. He will entice you, entice you, entice you to sin. And then once you've sinned, then he'll accuse you, accuse you, accuse you of sinning. And because he don't want you to have peace in your heart that you are forgiven, that you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, believe he has forgiven of your sins. No, the devil wants to accuse you, accuse you, accuse you. Well, he's slippery. And he's a deceiver. And you'll get on Facebook and look at all the things that they have that you don't have. Are you being thankful? No. 
That's from a, the, the discontent heart is the devil's playground. And he will make you miserable. He will think that you, he'll make you think that you don't have things. But what are we to be? We are to be thankful. So how do we guard our hearts against discontent? How do we guard our hearts against covetousness? We guard our hearts by being thankful. Always abounding therein with thanksgiving, as Paul says. With thankfulness, we also need to watch and be sober. In Colossians 4.2, flip over just one page with me. Paul says this, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. A better way to render that is be watchful in it by thanksgiving. When the Lord tells us to watch and to pray, think about... um, Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane, when he admonished them, he says, watch and pray when they fell asleep at the Garden of Gethsemane. He told them that watch and pray so that ye enter not into temptation. So when we watch and we pray, Lord, please help me to, to not be in temptation or be overtaken by temptation of sin. When we watch, what do, how do we watch? That's what it says in verse 2. We watch with thanksgiving. So we are the continually to be in our prayers to watch with thanksgiving. Also, thanksgiving guards our hearts from worry. And uh, Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. What that means is anxious and worried. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And he says, the God of peace, which passeth all understanding, will Keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In Isaiah 26, 3, it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth thee. So we guard our hearts with thankfulness because it overcomes our carefulness, our, our anxiety, our worry. There's also, we are to, you know, as we're going into the Thanksgiving week, as we even talk to other people, have the attitude of thankfulness to God, grateful that he has saved you, grateful for all the blessings in your life. You know, I, I once saw a drill, and it was pretty good, as we think about being thankful to the Lord. As we leave this place, go home and try this exercise. Think of just one thing yesterday that you can be thankful for. Just one thing. One specific thing yesterday, and then thank the Lord for it. Same thing with today. The same thing with tomorrow. Think about the specific thing that you are being thankful for, and go to the Lord with all full heart and humility of heart thanking Him. Um, When we speak with others, we speak as one who has been saved and redeemed. We are children of God. We're to be ambassadors for Christ. And we are to have our words seasoned. And we're to express love and concern and care for one another. And just listen to them and, and listen to your family and be there. You know, um, so many, I know you're with me. If, if, if you have lost loved ones in your family, don't you just want to just 
do something <laughs> besides pray. Sometimes we get so impatient and we're like, Lord, please don't let them slip out into eternity without rescuing them from their sins. Please, Lord. Let's have that prayer and be thankful. The Lord hears our prayers. Guard your heart with gratitude. It's a continual attitude of every Christian. First of all, it brings glory to God. It brings a deeper understanding of Christ. It brings us in the will of God. It is the will of God for you to be thankful. It brings peace that passes all understanding. It brings us joys, even when we are in tears. Think of Job. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It brings us contentment. Thankfulness brings us contentment. It brings us an enriched fellowship with one another. You, you get into a group of believers or with your family, before the conversation even starts, just talk about how thankful you are. And then you'll see the conversation go that way. The group won't be led into sin and some gossip or, or backbiting. Just start with how thankful you are. But it guards our hearts from sin, whether it's Satan attacking us, whether it's our own flesh. It guards your heart from temptation. It guards your heart from sin. When you are content with all that God has given you, content with his salvation, content with his providence, content that he's on his throne, content that he's got a path and a plan for you, content that he will receive glory from your life. It may not feel good what you're going through. Pain never feels good. Sorrow doesn't feel good. Grief doesn't feel good. All of the things in life just worry. And it just seems like things are out of control. But that's when God says, stand still. You can't control this. Oh, but we serve the Lord who does. And He's our Father. He loves me. And He's going to provide for my need. And then He's going to make what He gives me a testimony for other people to see the glory and the grace of God. And you know what? I can be thankful that God has used me in any way to show his glory to others. Isn't that something? Yeah. That God can use you? God's used your life. And you're unique. Your experiences are your own. A lot of people, why did God let this happen? Why did God have me do that? You're unique. God will use all your experiences to where you can bring him glory. You can reach out and you can be a help to others. Encourage them. Edify them. And one of these days, the Lord's going to say, look, look what I did. And you're going to thank him. You're going to have a heart of thankfulness. And I pray the Lord has richly blessed you today. I pray you leave this place and you know the Lord is your personal Savior. And that you have repented and you believe in him, that he died, he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, as if he died for no one else but you. As if this great work, which wrote this timeless Bible, that God had done all of these things, was just for you and you alone. Do you know in your heart that you're saved today? Do you know that if you were to die the day, that you would go to heaven? Well, the Word of God teaches us and shows us that there's nothing we can do. Jesus has done it. Jesus has done it all. And we repent. We come to the end of ourselves, repent, and ask God to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us and to save us. And he promised that he would. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. 
Thank you, Father, for your goodness to us. Lord, as we leave this place, let me just see within your word and, and understand uh, the love which you have towards us and that we are to have one toward another. But Father, this, this great love, this bond that we are to have, Father, that we cannot love if we are not thankful. That we live this life just thinking that we are without your supply or that we could do things better. Father, may we leave this place knowing that we have all things in the richness of Jesus Christ. We have, we have all wisdom. We have all things and all things Father, are for your glory and all things in our life are for our good, through our edification, to the strength in our faith. Father, that we may be endeared more to you in our lives. Father, may, may we be a testimony to others this week that they may see the goodness of God in us. May you keep our tongues from speaking evil. May you keep our hearts in continual uh, thankfulness so that way we can steer away any temptation or the devil would want to come and, and wreck our testimony. Father, I thank you for each one here. I do pray for those who are sick and who are ill, Lord, that you raise them up and heal them. We know you can. You are our great physician. And Father, we know that you are still on your throne. You still work the miracle of healing. Father, we, we praise you for all that you have promised and all that you do and all that you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.